Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Previously, we reviewed what the Protestants believe concerning the government of the church and congregations as found in the Westminster Confession and under the former Presbyterian Church government of that confession. We will now look somewhat at the London Baptist Confession of Faith as adopted in England in 1689 and later adopted by the Baptists in America in the earliest days of this nation. The Philadelphia Baptist Association had Benjamin Franklin print it in 1742. Chapter 26, Article 7 states, To each of these churches thus gathered, according to his mind declared in his word, he hath given all that power and authority which is in any way needful for their carrying on that order in worship and and discipline, which he hath instituted for them to observe with commands and rules for the due and right exerting and executing of that power. Notice that God gave to each congregation all power and authority to carry on that order in worship and discipline which he hath instituted for them to observe, as ordained by the Scriptures. Therefore, as we previously stated, the congregation is the only ecclesiastical authority instituted by the Lord. The scriptural passages referenced to support this premise are Matthew 18, verses 17 and 18, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 4 and 5 and 13, and 2 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 8. The passage in Matthew chapter 18 deals with an offended brother, obviously a fellow member of the congregation, seeking reconciliation with the offender. The verses referenced concludes by saying, quote, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, congregation. But if he neglect to hear the church, that is, the congregation, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Therefore, when a congregation follows the scriptures in ecclesiastical government, it is ordained and sanctioned by God. The Lord did not place his authority, excuse me, the Lord did not place his assembly under any synod or council, ecclesiastically or civilly, to rule over it. Please know that we are not saying that the congregation is to ignore and disregard other congregations and brethren or to act so independently that it does not care what anyone else says or believes. Obviously, like-minded brethren and congregations should have fellowship and care for each other. 
However, the ultimate authority is the congregation and not some ruling board or power over it. Clearly, Caesar, or any and all worldly governments, have no, uh, has no authority over the congregation of the Lord. We shall have more to say about these, these things later. This passage in Matthew should be clear to all that there can be no higher power than heaven, and since heaven, that is God, recognized that the congregation has the final word, there can be none above it. In addition to this passage, it should be noted that when our Lord said that he would build his congregation and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, Matthew 16, 18, he further declared, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Therefore, Matthew 16, 18 and Matthew 18, 18 are simply affirming the same truth concerning the authority of God on earth. And that authority is found in the congregation of the Lord as it governs and rules according to the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. The second place to support the congregation being the only ecclesiastical authority comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The report was of a sin that was worse than what was practiced among the Gentile world. It was the sin of fornication where a man was sleeping with his father's wife. 1 Corinthians 5.1 If that was not bad enough, the congregation was puffed up or proud of it. Verse 6 says that they were glorying or bragging about the sin. The Apostle Paul instructs the congregation to excommunicate or exclude this man from the congregation. Verses 4 and 5 says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Notice that the Holy Spirit did not inspire Paul to write to a uh, write to that a synod or some council was to be formed to exercise discipline on the man. The Lord directed that the congregation was to perform this discipline. Paul, as an apostle, did not demand the congregation to perform this exclusion, though he had judged already, 1 Corinthians 5.3, regarding the matter. Paul said that when the congregation were assembled together, that is, gathered together, with the same disposition, that is, the same spirit that he had, then they were to perform the discipline on the man. Notice that this discipline was with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and that the day of judgment was in view. 
In connection with this, verse 13 says, But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Since this man was among the congregation, they, the congregation, were to put him away. It was not a committee, synod, group of ministers, the state, or any authority apart from or over the congregation that exercised this power. It was the congregation collectively that performed this function. The authority of the congregation to discipline this man was not only with the power of the Lord to remove him from membership, but he was to be delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Regardless of what all is involved by this action, I can believe it can be said that modern so-called evangelical religion knows very little, if any, of the power and authority of the congregation of God. Many, if not the majority, of members of a congregation today do not believe that anyone, much less the congregation, has any right or business to judge them for anything. They believe they can live their lives as they want, and no one has any right to say anything about it. Sadly, hardly is it heard of today when any congregation performs discipline of any kind. We seem to be living as Israel was in the day of the judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges 21.35 The Lord inspired the Apostle Peter to say that judgment must begin at the house of God. 1 Peter 5.17 It seems that the congregation of God as a whole has lost its power and authority. It is enslaved to denominational hierarchies and worldly organizations and functions according to business and governmental guidelines and have cast off the holiness of the Lord as ordained by God in the Holy Scriptures. Too many ministers as well as, well as the members are violating all of 1 Corinthians 5.13. They are judging and preaching about how bad the world is, those that are without, and they are failing to scripturally judge those within and thereby filling up their congregations with wicked people. The third passage supplied by the London Confession is 2 Corinthians 2, verses 6-8. through It says, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. End of quote. Obviously, our Lord would have us to think of the discipline performed by this same congregation as recorded in chapter 5 of the first epistle. We see from this passage that the punishment inflicted on this man was, quote, of many, end of quote. This Greek word means more in quantity, 
or by the majority. In other words, the man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 was disciplined by a majority vote. It appears that the man repented of his sin and was in deep sorrow for it. The Lord has Paul to instruct the congregation to restore the man lest he be, quote, swallowed up with overmuch sorrow, end of quote. This was to be done by the congregation and not by any ecclesiastical authority over and above the congregation. It appears from 2 Corinthians 7.12 that congregational discipline is as much, if not more, for the health and benefit of the congregation as it is for the guilty or offended party. It says, Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. End of quote. The objective of, the objective of congregational discipline is not only for the health and benefit of the erring individual, but for the strength and soundness of the congregation. When congregations are functioning according to the teaching of the Word of God, maintaining the government as ordained by the Lord, proclaiming the gospel truths and performing the ordinances as commanded by God, it is indeed the house of God, the church, Congregation of the Living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.